0: And welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. I'm Dave Cohen. He remains Dave Cohen. I remain James Carey. This is episode 170, would you believe? And today we are going to be talking about outlines. I know, sensational, but outlining is one of those things that you've got to do, otherwise you're going to write unfunny nonsense. Or funny nonsense, which worse, you will then have to unpick to turn to some kind of coherent funny nonsense. So that's why you need to know about outlining, so we'll get to that in a moment. But first, hot off the press, Dave, do you want to tell us some sort of news from the media land, comedy world sort of thing?
1: Yeah, it's, um, uh, it's just been announced, but uh, by the time the show goes out, it will be kind of full, fully up and running. But um, Broadcast Magazine, which is kind of the voice of uh, TV production and radio production, really, in Britain, is uh, very, very unusually for this magazine, which is ne- never normally campaigns, but it, it has launched a campaign to stop uh, Channel 4 being privatised. Um, so... This means, that obviously, it's something that, that, that that's going to be having very broad appeal amongst all people in television, people who make television. And, of course, Channel 4 uh, and E4 do make a, a lot of uh, comedy. And um, their argument is uh, that um, the point of Channel 4, they, they, they say the main point of Channel 4, is uh, for it to be different. And um, that's kind of really... Uh, certainly, I think it's fair to say, um, for better or worse, but t- t- Channel Four's difference is something that has made it uh, special. But it has really been, I think, one of the great pioneering uh, comedy producers in Britain in the last sort of 30 or 40 years. And uh, I-, I-, I do worry that if it is privatised, that, it- that it will kind of lose that sort of uniqueness. I mean, I don't know how you feel about Channel 4, James.
0: Well, Channel 4 was just so unbelievably cool when I was growing up. (laughs) And it made really funny comedy. And, you know, this was the days when Paul Merton was on BBC Two doing Have I Got News for You? And he had a T-shirt on which said Turn Over at 11 because the Paul Merton show was on (laughs) Channel 4. So in the 90s, you know, Channel 4 and comedy was just like brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And Father Ted and all that kind of stuff as well. Um and then I think, in a way, it's comedically, it sort of expanded because of E4. And then suddenly, comedy just seemed to go slightly away from where I felt I was. Uh, so, I don't know, really. It's been a bit more innovative in some ways. Um, but, uh, but it's a bit of a mixed bag. But, yeah, I don't think we want another channel. We don't, we don't need channels like we've already got. Channel 4 is Channel 4. They've not spent a lot of money on comedy mm. uh, recently recently. Um, but they haven't got a lot of money. So that's kind of fair enough, really, isn't it? They are at the mercy of, of events.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think the the general decline in... Uh, the, there's been a general decline in comedy across British TV, really, over the last sort of five or ten years. So I don't feel that Channel 4's comedy decline is is of, of a different nature to, to the BBC. They are still trying to do it. They are... And, and yeah, they are kind of trying to... to get audiences that aren't normally represented by comedy uh but i I think what's happened subsequently is that um you know the BBC has caught up with uh, Netflix and all the all the American uh mm. big, the big American companies that insist on uh diversity and a percentage of the uh crews and and, and cast and people being from ethnic backgrounds and and the BBC is finally catching up with this uh and um having to kind of do it the American way really um I think ITV's been doing it for a, a while but but um there, there's a sense now that channel there, there, there's a kind of mixing that up with the idea that because Channel Four has always been a bit like that therefore it's kind of one of these uh, in these kind of culture wars it, it it's, it's, it's there for the there for the taking because it's um, yeah. you know it represents all the, the those sort of uh, terrible aspects of, of, of what's seen by this government as you know, kind of uh, a woke, woke culture. I think so. I think they, I think they thought this would be a bit of an easy win for us, but actually, Channel Four's diversity is, isn't just about uh sort of you know minor uh, minorities it's also about uh white working class people as well and so i think they are you know channel four is in quite a strong position to say well you know we pr- we promote we're, uh, we're we're promoting kind of not just the sort of london uh posh elite we're, we're sort of regional and we're working class and all those other things so mm. it might be a tougher sell than the government first thought
0: yeah I mean, if you are outside London, then the idea that Channel 4 is not London centric doesn't, eh, I'm not quite sure about that.
1: Well, having they are, they headquarters, Somerset. they're about well, to move their headquarters to Leeds, so, you know. That
0: would be interesting, no, that is exciting, but well. having said that, I've watched every single episode of River Cottage, which is set down here in Somerset and Dorset. Although what that has done is just driven up house prices down here because all the (laughs) the cool London people want a second home in Bridport. But there you have it. So um, I think just my last thought on that really is that I think you can be making TV and comedy for people who aren't particularly well represented. But I think you need to make the mainstream stuff as well to win the right to to do what you like. And so I think you need a couple of blockbusters that are, are kind of a bit more aimed at everyone. But I'm sure Channel 4 would say they've been doing that and... You know, uh, and I've not kept really on top of their output recently. All I do know is that I think there was meant to be more home, and now there isn't more home. And I'm sure our dear friend uh, Rufus is quite cross about that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But talking of Rufus, the first time I really came across him was in Tony Roach's uh, TV movie, Holy Flying Circus. Um, And the reason I mention it is, A, Holy Flying Circus is on Amazon Prime. So if you have Prime, you can now watch... Holy Flying Circus, it was made by the BBC. Why it's not been on iPlayer, I have absolutely no idea, but I shall be uh, digging in to watch it again on Prime. But the reason I came across that, or thought about that just now, is because a story caught my eye, since we're doing comedy news, uh, from the uh, British Comedy Guide, which is really, frankly, the British home of all things comedy-related news and everything, and BCG Pro and all that kind of stuff, and they kindly host this podcast on their servers, John Cleese is working on a project to make a stage version of Monty Python's Life of Brian, hoping the show can launch in 2022. Frankly, it's about time. I'm amazed. Do you know what I mean? The moment, they, the moment I read that, I was like, oh, of course. Yes. You know, why not? You know, they did that with, with Spamalot. Mm. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of the ultimate comedy geek excellent pedigree, massively controversial it's sort of Jesus Christ superstar, that did alright in the West End and on Broadway, but with jokes, and now people don't mind so much um, about the so-called blasphemy in the movie, which is mostly absent um, so um, so yeah did you, did you see that, Dave? I,
1: I didn't, I, I would imagine that the reason it hasn't happened will almost certainly have been to do with um, contractual uh, uh, Right. Sh- shenanigans, because I know there's always been a lot of a kind of uh, uh, difficulties with because um, e- e- Eric Idle um, was was basically responsible for Spamalot, and I think you know what the what the Eric Idle uh, Monolith Corporation does. Compared to John Cleese PLC, it's like it is like sort of two giant uh, yep. multinational comedy companies. So it's not it's no longer uh, you know Eric on the phone to, to John and sorting it out over a you know cup of tea or something. So I think that's, that's almost certainly why yep. it will have taken this long.
0: And it may well have been that Terry Jones, while he was alive, said, "I'd really rather you didn't," because I think he actually directed <laughs> yeah. the movie, didn't he? Yeah. Um, so, the way movies work and rights are agreed is is pretty uh, specific and hard to unpick so it may be that that one or two things like that have just oiled the wheels and maybe somebody you know, attached a pipeline of money to the Python's house and said, "How long should we switch it on for?" <laughs> um, and that—that's quite a compelling argument, isn't it? When you've got yeah. tax bills uh, yeah. to pay, and
1: yeah, I'd forgotten um, that Terry Jones. Obviously, that was it, the life of Brian. Was he, he, he was very much his um, child from a from a directing movie point of view, and uh, yeah, yeah so. And
0: he maybe while he was alive just didn't want Cleese getting his hands all over it because I, I know that they have this slightly troubled relationship within the Pythons, between each other, and... Anyway, uh, that was a bit of interesting comedy news, I thought, and I thought I would throw that down. And also, on the BCG Pro, they say Hull Razor's sitcom is coming to Channel 4, uh, which is uh, a show uh, written by Lucy Beaumont, which presumably is partly based on her Radio 4 show, To Hull and Back, which I heard an episode or two of, I thought was really nice. Why it's on Channel 4, I don't know. Why it's not on BBC 2, I don't know, but... Who, who knows, Dave?
1: Yes, I so, know. Well, um, that, of course, um, if we think about the success of Channel Four, uh, one of the biggest reasons it first became successful was um, "Whose Line Is It Anyway," which was um, basically a, a Radio Four show um, that the BBC turned down. Yeah, and then uh, basically it, it kind of set up hat trick, pretty much really, and uh, you know, as yeah. one of the most successful comedy making uh companies in in you know the last 30 40 years
0: yeah yeah well anyway that's comedy news we should crack on because the only thing we don't have control of any of those (laughs) things but what we do have control over is our scripts and so uh we're going to talk about outlining dave yeah uh why don't you say what out what is an outline and why do we need one OK,
1: well, we have talked a little bit about this before and, and you know, it is uh, generally uh, it's generally agreed that in, in, in the process of writing your script from the point at which you say, I have an idea and we kind of J- James and I have different. Ways of, of, of kind of come up with different processes and talk through these uh, different processes. But we've, we've generally agreed that the, 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 the point before you actually sit down and write your whole first draft script, you have in your hands a document that's, that's pretty long, that's almost like Maybe half the length of the actual script. It could be about up to two thousand words long. That's, that has a, a very detailed explanation of what yeah. uh, what is needed. Um, I would
0: so, just to chime in on that. I would I would call that a scene by scene where you literally have every single scene. It says scene one, uh, kitchen interior. Um, you know, yeah. S- Steve comes home from work, finds Laura with her head in the oven. And uh, they have a conversation about the meaning of life, blah, blah, blah. You know, and at the end of the scene, you know, Steve decides that he's now going to take up basket weaving in order to do something with his wife, which is why, you know, really. So you're taking out all of the imponderables. All you really need to do when you're writing the script is sort of add, add the dialogue and you've already got a couple of jokes and a, bit of, yeah. a few bits of dialogue. And that document uh, might be two, 3,000 words and your script might be 6,000 yeah. words. So
1: I think we would need to uh, know a little bit of information as to how we got from her having her head in the oven to him deciding to do basket weaving. You, we, we, will, we will need to have yeah. the, seen the, the steps taking place. And yeah, then, and but, so
0: your scene one outline might have... Your scene one, scene by scene... That might have three paragraphs. You know, it's usually the most important scene, so you're kind of setting everything up. So you are explaining all of the beats, including, you know, so-and-so says this, and so-and-so says that, and you're kind of taking out all of the... So, so that you're not trying to fix anything when you're writing it. So that's the scene-by-scene, but to get to a scene-by-scene, mm-hmm. scene, um, then you probably need a few other steps before that don't we
1: yeah but just before we go to them i I've, uh, I've just it just struck me that you know we talk a lot about uh, when you're writing your script we talk about show don't tell uh, which is that you know you need to uh, get the story across through a character's actions and through their character rather than have them stating it out loud so the outline is actually tell don't show um hmm. In the outline, it says he said this because he he doesn't want her to know that um, this this thing is happening. So he uh, he tells a lie and this, and then the next scene will come. The lie that he told in the previous scene is going to now cause this problem. So that's you know that is telling us what's going to happen, and then the script yeah. becomes the showing. Um, but yeah, we can we can. Yeah, that that that's that still we would say is a very important uh, document, but I would suggest that there's a, a a document that I've been thinking about this because i've been sort of teaching quite a lot about uh for for students coming up with a uh, like a fifteen minute uh, script and um Getting them from I've got an idea to a 15-minute script, and there is this kind of interim outline, um, which um, I think is really helpful to do before you do your kind of 1500, 2000 words one. And this is basically uh, it, it's probably about a 400-word or so uh, doc, uh, document about your the, the, the episode. But you also, there are a number of other things that you want to have in that uh, document. It wants to be probably about, you know, about 800 words. But I think you want to know, you you want that kind of log line, the thing we've talked about a lot, the 25 words, the elevator pitch, the, it's this, but it's also that. You know, it's Jaws, but it's set in space. Um, It's Snakes. On a plane, Um, so yeah.
0: So that's the logline we talk about how you introduce the idea for your sitcom. But -hmm. in a way, each episode needs to be an expression of that in some other way, doesn't it? Every episode, sort of a version of the overall ethos, the overall, you know, if if yeah. So so in a way, you just the this is the outline for an individual episode, and even then, you do sort of really need to know what the essence of the episode is it's not just stuff happening it's not just quests it is it is those things but but why and how does this relate to the whole raison d'etre of the show
1: yeah and i think also you want to know you want you want to have a kind of almost like a tell don't show version of that as well you want to say yeah actually this is a sitcom uh about a um a, a, about uh, a, a woman who's large th- larger than uh, life, and uh, you know she's sort of too big for the world around her. And uh, it's also about the the, the friends, her friend, you know, the, the people around her. Who uh, mm. uh, this, is, her yeah, daily this is? Yeah, this is about.
0: Yeah, this is about an empty nester who has so much love to give that she's inflicting this love on you know on the the local. Uh, local WI or something like that. It's like, yeah. or on, you know, on a men's club of some sort. I don't know.
1: Yeah. 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 So that's, so, so that's your kind of, the, that, 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 and that's actually, um, the, the 25 words, that's almost like the hardest thing to, uh, come up with because that, that's, that is the essence of all of those things that we talk about that you need to, to have thought a lot about. Before as in you know uh what um what's it really about uh why am I the right person to be writing this why now, what is it about this this particular sitcom about two guys sharing a flat that is twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two because we've had two guys sharing a flat we know it works as a as a sitcom uh structure. what are we gonna bring to it that's that's going to uh make people go oh yeah, okay that's it's familiar but i bring this extra thing so it's it is a a, a lot of things go into that um 25 words i would say um but i think the next thing that you need to think about as well is uh the people who are going to be in this episode uh the main your main characters probably your let's say your three main characters if you you should you'll probably have like three or four who are your main ones and you want to have just 50 words at the most to describe each character and we want a very rough idea of what age they are their uh their class maybe how whether they're fashionable or you know well-dressed or scruffy or a uh, little little visual clues or audio clues if it's for radio but then you do want to have a very uh again in terms of tell don't show we want to know how they're going to be in every scene so for instance you know we want to know well she uh she thinks that she's um you know the most amazing fantastic uh people person she's a great people person and she works in this office and she's in charge of all these people but they all can't stand her. Um, mm.
0: They all wish that she'd shut up. Yeah. So it's it's more like, you know, uh, it's what we were saying the other day on on a workshop we were doing about how, you know, the way somebody is and the way they're perceived, they are very similar, but they're not quite the same. So somebody can be confident and another person thinks that they're arrogant. And you just think, yeah, it's they 're probably both right. the protagonist thinks they 're confident, and somebody else experiences, experiences that as arrogance uh, so yeah th- those are the kinds of details that you do want to be really clear on you right. know that this character comes across like this, this but whereas in their head there 's something else
1: and and due to our uh, natural kind of confirmation bias you know when the, uh, if I think You're arrogant, and you say a thing that comes from a place of confidence. uh, I'm just going to carry on thinking that you're arrogant because I've already decided that you're arrogant. And if you say, "Okay, now today we're going to do this thing," are we? What makes you so sure of that? You know. Yeah, yeah. Who are you to tell me? Exactly. Yeah. So you can see, and you know, that's where there's there 's comedy you know so so that 's the kind of thing uh that you want to say about them and you want to say you know what they, they you want to know what they want in uh, what, what is their main goal what are they you know whether it's the external goal of you know I want to become the boss of this company that's my that 's my dream is to become the head of this company um, and then but internally they might be thinking as well but I just really want to win the respect of that person who... I can't understand it. I think I'm confident, but they seem to think I'm arrogant. I really want to win their respect, you know. And so everything they try and do is going to have the opposite effect on that. You're not Mm. necessarily going to show that or tell that in every scene, but it's it's, going to be a thing that's going to help you when you're writing your 1,500 words to know... That the even if the character in the scene isn't dealing with this specific person, there we know that they're bring there's an energy that they're bringing to that because often when we read scripts, we'll read a script and there's like three or four people in the script and there's a big, big sort of uh, conversation between two of the people and there's one person who's a main character who's just kind of sitting there and not saying anything, um, and you know you have to be kind of mindful of the fact that if they're in that scene. They've got they've got an energy. Either either they're in that scene, in which case have them talking, or they're not, in which case they're, they're making it funnier, out.
0: or they're making it less funny. And you need to find a way for them to make it funnier. Yeah, and
1: um,
0: I, th- I think so. It, what I'm hearing, Dave, because I, I mean, full disclosure, I'm not sure I do this, <laughs> um, be, but in a way, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think I subconsciously do this, and in a way, I probably used to do this. Um, And if I'm planning a sitcom, I I think a lot of this is baked into the format and the outline of the overall, this is what the show is. And then individual episodes, maybe not so much. But what what I think this, what you're describing here, I think is really helpful, is the fact that it's sort of a cheat sheet. So it is the tell, don't show. Your script is all show and it's no tell. And in the same way that... It's a bit it's like so the scene by scene where you're just saying this is the nuts and bolts of how I actually write the episode. That is the architect's blueprint uh, that you are basically now going to follow as you construct the episode. But before the architect, um, you know, hands over the blueprint, there's a conversation about what are you trying to do with this house? Well, what I'm trying, you know, and we've all seen those property shows. Well, I'm trying to blend, they see the horizon over there and the woods and the things. And nearby, there's also a water mill and I'm trying to blend it with the water mill. And I'm trying to, you know, so they sort of create mood boards and all these sorts of things that are trying to try to work out what the overall philosophy of the actual design is. And I think what you're talking about here is just a few hundred words which is like, what am I actually doing with this episode? Um, How does this fit in uh, to my sitcom? Um, Because otherwise it is just people talking and doing stuff. And I can't emphasize that enough. I've already emphasized it quite a lot because we do read a lot of scripts which are people talking and doing stuff. And there is no obvious reason for it in the grand scheme of things. So I think ultimately you're trying to figure out you know, how this episode and plot and quest fits in with the way your main characters see the world and why they're so resistant to the story unfolding in a particular way, what they're worried about. So it's kind of the awful truth behind what we're seeing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think, and, uh, you know, I've, I've been doing this um, Build a Sitcom course now for just over a year and I've I've been doing it with about i've probably done about kind of 80 people now over or 80 scripts over over a year or so and it's kind of it's just a realization that 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 is i think you know if if you are somebody like yourself james who has you know spent the last 20 years you know writing scripts you've had times where you've written 10 or 15 scripts in a year say that have been Mm. broadcast on tv or radio so you're kind of not you're you're not I would say the core audience uh, for this, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, um, th- this is this is really, uh, you know, somebody who is trying to get their first sale of a first script. Yeah. And 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 it is it, it it's just kind of putting an extra step in there along the way. Um, yeah. And in a sense, you know, part part of the. Uh, you know, t- saying to people, we can write a sitcom in eight weeks, which we do. We start with the idea and we build and build. I mean, that is like a massively ambitious idea, but it it it's a good challenge for people because it does remind you how to put everything in the right order. But but also be aware that you know it there there are things that come at you all the time, and there are things that you know when you come up with the great idea in the first. Moment of coming up with a great idea, you'll come up with that three or four other things that are oh, and, uh, a really funny scene that you've got in your head, and that's going to be down somewhere down the line. You have to kind of park that scene now. You, James, you'll just go and write that scene and you'll have it there, <laughs> and uh, you know, and, and, and me too, and, and you'll know it's yeah. there because you, you're, you're used to having those things in your head, or you're used to being able to have the kind of 10 things going on at once, and so it, it is about being able to kind of it's keeping your mind open to the possibilities of things that can that that you can bring in or, or changes that you can make but trying to keep it structure there and I think mm. my, my feeling is what what I've been seeing I, I, I sometimes see some uh, like a, I talk about a script as a, a, a like a house I sometimes see some beautiful roofs or some fantastic windows or some delightful brickwork but you know, there's no foundation. You know, there's yeah. just, a, it's just a roof hanging, you know, and, and that's just no use to anyone. Or and you really. Why did you
0: build a house yeah, there? <laughs>
1: yeah. And you really do need that. So, and, you know, every house, you know, Buckingham Palace or a two bed semi, you know, they all got somebody had to dig deep deep, boringly, and do some really boring stuff and get rid of a lot of crap and put some really boring things in place. And that's yeah. the kind of... That's the the point we're at now, is uh, before we write our outline, the foundations are built. Now we're going to see... Uh, we're going to see the royal family's flat, or we're going to see Frasier's flat, or we're going to see, mm. you know, uh, the Simpsons' home or whatever. So we're going to see something that's completely different to all the other things but it's it's the stuff that you have to put in there in the first place and that's and that's that's why i think when you're starting out or if you've not had, sold a script ever yet these are the things that you kind of just need to have in place before mm. anything else really that's why i recommend yeah. it
0: so you mentioned writing a sitcom in eight weeks and uh, i should have said earlier when we were talking about news but Um, I'm running a couple of days, uh, they're they're individual days and it's called, um, write a sitcom in a day. That's the short (laughs) title. Uh, the long title, the long version is you obviously can't write a sitcom in a day, uh, but you can spend a day thinking about how to write a sitcom. So, uh, on August bank holiday, Monday, the 30th or, uh, September, Friday, uh, Friday, September the third, uh, one day or the other. Then, um, then I'll spend a whole day from 9.30 till uh, 5.30, 6 o'clock on Zoom, just sort of talking you through the process. So trying to give as much information and as much advice as I can, but also saying these are the things you need to think about if you're going to get a script written, say, by Christmas or by New Year. Um, and so hopefully at the end of the day, you've got a plan for how you're going to execute that, um, plus some kind of... Uh, pointers about where you can go and find other resources and that kind of stuff. But overall, it's just a spend a day, you know, d- doing nothing else but just thinking about this, clear the space. Um, there's an early bird discount if you jump in there uh, right now. So there'll be some links in the show notes to that, uh, write a sitcom in a day. Follow me on Twitter, at sitcomgeek, and there'll be some things to, uh, for that. Also, if you go to my blog, sitcomgeek.blogspot.com, on the 13th of June, 2017, I wrote a blog post called Outlining Your Script, uh, which is also germane to what we're talking about. I wanted to use the word germane there, Dave, <laughs> uh, and I used it uh, and I went for it. Uh, so there's a bit more um, in that and we, maybe get, we might get onto that as well. We'll try and put a link to that in the show notes. But it's called, if you Google sitcom geek outlining your script, yeah. uh, you're outlining your sitcom script, you'll, you'll probably find it uh, because that, that's a little bit of nuts and bolts here about plotting, but... Go on, go on, Dave.
1: I was going to say. I mean, that's a fantastically ambitious idea. That I love that. Of, of, of write a sitcom in, in a day. It's like you and I are, in, are we're, we're in some kind of competition because I have you know <laughs> write one in eight weeks. You say write one in a day. I'm going to have to come up with write a half hour sitcom in real time in half an hour. I'm going yes, in, twi- uh, in twenty eight <laughs> minutes. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, and I'll go oh, and I'll
0: write one in twenty two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's yeah, it's not it's not meant to be an arms race, but it's just like, but it's being realistic in the marketing saying. You obviously can't write one in a day, and I'm not saying you can. But here's a day where you just think about what you actually need to do. Yeah. Uh, so that's the idea. But so I, where are we, Dave? Well, Sorry, I think we interrupted that newsflash. <laughs> we interrupted that for a well. I, a I think I think
1: um, you you interrupted with a with a perfectly valid uh, way of, um, of, of disputing the, the the idea of doing the uh, what, what I would call the kind of the 800 word uh, pre outline. Um, for, no, no, I don't think it yeah. is, because, I,
0: I, cause, cause, you know, my, meth, my, my other method, in a sense, when we're plotting, as you know, and I've, we've spoken about this quite a few times, mm. my idea is to come up with 100 stories, really short ones, and then you sort of pick 30 that don't make you want to kill yourself. Mm. Um, and then out of the 30, those 30, you kind of turn them into a one or two lines about, you know, and you figure out, oh, could this be a plot for this character or that character? And then you kind of basically you know, you work them up, you grow them like crystals almost. And to some extent, they almost turn into that 400, 800 page, 800 page, 800 word uh, document. But I guess that's kind of action based rather than sort of subtext and... Uh, but but you do need to know why they're doing all these things. Yeah. So in a way, these these things do sort of all, all meld in together.
1: Yeah, I think it's what it is. Is it's the next step. You you will you will automatically kind of get towards that kind of four hundred word thing anyway. Uh, as as uh, as as you say, James. From that, from your kind of distilling thirty plots, I, I find genu- generally that instinctively three three of them come out or three things come out that are about sort of three to 400 words so uh it's just really just before you then plunge straight into the kind of 2,000 words or whatever it's just hang on let's just make sure just before we go into that let's make sure we've got all these other things right so that we aren't just kind of filling filling the space with words that we're going from 400 to 2,000 that Oh, yeah. Now, remember, this character has to be like this all the way through. This uh, underlying theme is is there, yeah. you know, um, and let's, let's always keep that in mind. And also, the one thing that I haven't mentioned so far is, um, and, and I promise, James, this is not a story arc, but we have a sense of what's going to happen. What these people are going to do in other episodes, or how how these ideas might show in other episodes. So we're kind of not just uh, plonking a, a an episode in and from nowhere. We've got we, we It's almost like we we're trying to not write the pilot, but it may end up being the pilot. But it, it, it's a it's a way of trying to avoid putting backstory in there. But uh, um, hmm. knowing being able to have what the backstory is in our heads, being able to know how that backstory might then influence, oh, and then next week, you know, this week she's been trying to do X, Y, Z, but actually next week, because we know that she's got this long-term aim to do such and such, it's going to involve her going somewhere else. And so it's just having, again, it's having this kind of information there in your head and being able to kind of... Uh, pick from that thing and and to not feel so totally high bound by your I've got my 400 words this has to go like this it's about it's about making your characters do the work of the show rather than uh making thinking this plot uh, I've got this plot that I need to kind of mold mold the characters around. It's about making the characters drive drive the plots rather than the the, the plot just be there as a a thing, really.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's really helpful. You know, it needs to grow from the characters rather than just throwing stuff. You know, you might have a three-act structure. I'm never quite sure how they work within sitcoms because all sitcoms are act two, as I've often said on this podcast. But... um, But... Yeah, your characters need to be making choices throughout. They need to be driving it. And I think the other reason I think this is a really helpful interim step, the outline, the raison d'etre and stuff, is you need to figure out, is this an episode of the show that I want to write and that actually helps the show and helps sell the show, assuming this show isn't already on? For example, if you have a, um, a sitcom set in a fire station about two brothers who run a fire station. There you go. Uh, Like Wings, but Fire Station. Um, London's Burning, even. London's Burning meets (laughs) Wings. Um, But, which is an American show. Somebody mentioned it the other day, uh, and I was just like, oh, yeah, Wings. Um, I never really watched it, I don't think. But but if you come up with a sitcom plot, and it's just like, oh, this is really funny, this is good, and then this and this, and the whole thing is about this or that, and it's actually a road trip, you've got two brothers... And one of them's got a Morris Minor and they go off on a road trip on a Morris Minor. You go, uh, okay. shouldn't they be in a fire engine? Shouldn't there be fires involved? So this may be a really deep, useful episode in some ways. But if it's nothing to do with the main situation that you've set up, then I'm I'm already a bit worried uh, that this is, you know. So in a way, you just want to take a long, good, hard look and just go. There is much work ahead of this. Uh, do I want to head in this direction? Or am I going to discover that I've basically written a really good episode of a, of, of a sitcom that I've not actually proposed? Um, and it may be also in the writing of it, you discover that the fire station was never that interesting to begin with. And that maybe this should be set somewhere else or just be about two brothers or or whatever it is. But I think just making sure that absolutely everything lines up i think that's what you're trying to do isn't it Dave? Yeah. just make sure that everything is pulling in the same direction so that your your plot your story your characters the overall idea for your show the title of the show um the beginning the middle and an end they're all they all feel of a piece and therefore greater than the sum total of the parts uh, rather than funny stuff happening
1: yeah. And on, on top of all of that, um also to give yourself permission to kind of uh, find find things that that are outside of that realm, but but can still be a part of it, which I, I know it sounds like a contradiction, but it is it is about, you know, not not. Being so in love with the idea uh, that, that you will, you won 't entertain something very radical that, that as a, but as long as the structure is kind of solid enough, it should be able to withstand quite a lot of stuff and I mean obviously you know if it 's a show about two firemen set in a fire station um, you know it 's not going to if the pilot episode is not going to withstand. Most of the bit it being about them going off in their, their Morris Minor, whereas if you've got the characters and you've got the world and you've got the the fire station, you've got the, you know, you you've got or whatever the comedy is in there, then you can you, you you've still got room to have a very bold idea that is actually oh, and then actually somebody who we thought was going to be a main character is uh, dies in a fire or something, you know, and that's mm. kind of you know that's like. Blimey, that's a bit of a big thing to throw in there. But yeah, it is. But it's still, it, it's feasible in what you've told me about this fire station, these brothers and things. So, you know, that, that, that's it. Be, you, you can still be bold, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but just you need to be conscious about every single thing that you're doing. Because the script will be tested to the point of utter destruction mm. uh, by someone at some point. And if it can't withstand that, then it's not filmable. Um, so, you know, if, and if you, if, if you want to compete with the John Cleases of this world who are resurrecting some of the greatest movies of all time for the stage, uh, which is essentially what we're all trying to do. We're all trying to write funny scripts that we want, Mm. we want someone to spend a couple of million pounds filming, then we, we need to be serious about that and just make sure that, that everything happens for a reason. You may not believe in real life that everything happens for a reason. Mm. Um, I do. Uh, but then again i would um which is why my latest book is called the gospel according to a sitcom writer but um but in a sitcom everything does happen for a reason i think uh so it needs to and even if it doesn't make sense within the show you have to know why every dialogue line is there why every scene is there uh what it's doing um and and i think this kind of this interim document where you just sort of take a long, deep breath and go, OK, what's really going on here? What's really the story? I think is, is a really good shout, Dave. Mm.
1: One thing, actually, that um, I forgot to mention earlier, but we uh, probably the reason we're doing this episode was, in fact, one of our, our Patreons uh, got in touch. And because uh, we, we have uh, people who are members and, and if you want to join uh, and, and be uh, help keep this podcast go, uh, going, uh, you can go to uh, Patreon slash Sitcom Geeks and find out how to become a uh, a member. But um, one of the guys, uh, we do sometimes, uh, we look at the first 10 pages of people's scripts and uh, we record a podcast just for the Patreon group in which we kind of uh, offer, offer critique of the script. But uh, this guy said, would you be... Uh, interested in doing critiques of like our oh, thousand word, twelve hundred word, two thousand word uh, outlines, and I'm just—I'd I'd be curious to know what your thoughts would be about that, James. Do you think? It's yeah, I think that's a doing? great idea.
0: Um, because in a way, again, if you, if you want to work as a scriptwriter, you're going to have to get outlines signed off. Uh, so when I pitched the most recent thing I did was um, Shakespeare and Hathaway. And that, that was a new genre for me because it was comedy, but it's sort of, it's murder mystery. And I had to come up with, I think I came up with five episode ideas, which were each about a paragraph long. And they liked two of them. I worked both of those up to a page or two. Um, and then they picked, oh, we've, I think we liked that one. Actually, they liked one, which we worked up a bit more. And they thought, oh, mm, no, that doesn't feel quite right. Uh, maybe try the other one. And so... I wrote many, many outlines, which were kind of, A, to get commissioned, but then B, once I was commissioned, to make sure that I didn't have to write 15 drafts of the script, that I only needed to write four drafts of the script. Um, so, you know, I did multiple scene-by-scenes that, that that got signed off with notes. Okay, do this, do it again. Uh, this is great. The first half is good. second half kind of loses its way. Um, the reveals a bit complicated. Don't think you need that whole bit with the playing cards or whatever it was. Um, so you're kind of stripping stuff out cause it's just always easier to fix it. Um, in the, uh, in the scene by scene stage or the outline stage. And then you write the script and then that gets a bunch of notes and then you do it again and do it again. But actually, um, you know, the notes on the script shouldn't be really awful because you have flushed out most of the problems. Um, to begin with so you know i mean i know you know again going back to those house building shows there's always a contingency and they've always spent it by the end of six months and they always need more contingency but if you don't go in with a proper plan then you've got no chance uh so um so yeah so that's just the way that the industry works and when i wrote my hero um you know i had to come up with outlines and then scene by scenes and they all got signed off and then draft one draft two draft three so you know it's you, you're checking in at about eight different stages, um, so if if you don't want to do that, then other podcasts are available uh, that are about other things that you could do with your time. Um, well, think, that that is the life of a sitcom writer.
1: Yeah, I think this uh, this week's podcast is basically we could use this uh, for a podcast about house building. Really, we've had uh, yeah, <laughs> we've had various yes. analogies. Got, yes, foundations. Uh, also,
0: yeah, you have to have a baby as well during the building process as well. That happens in every episode of Grand Designs or George Clark's Amazing Spaces or whatever. Is that somebody has a baby whilst they're living in the caravan on the building site um, whilst they're building this eight hundred grand mansion in in the su- on the Somerset Levels, uh, which they seem fairly sure isn't going to flood like everything else does. But um. Cut cuts to
1: flood immediately. Yeah. The happening you know just it's why the, the, it's called
0: Somerset. Somerset <laughs> is called Somerset because you can only live in it in the summer because in the winter it's flooded. Right. <laughs> this is the county of summer. Don't live here in the winter, terrible idea. Yeah. There's flooding. Mm. Um so that's kind of a fun Somerset fact. That's not just ma- that's not made up. That's that that is true fact. Mm. Uh, or at least a very credible theory. <laughs> Um, cool. I think we probably um, suck the juice out of outlines. There's more uh, stuff on um, outlining your script on that thing that I mentioned about how to kind of plot the episodes where you sort of you separate the plots out for your episode and then you kind of combine them. Um, you know, you push them together like some kind of wonder bra um, okay. and uh, and it it turns into something beautiful, uh, which I, I believe is also true of, of the wonder bra. But um, Not requiring one myself, uh, I I couldn't say uh, for sure. Not yet. I'm not not yet already in dangerously in the wrong lane here, Dave. You're going to have to start <laughs> yeah. talking now.
1: You're on your own, James. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to hang uh, you out to dry on this Wonderbra business, I think. Uh,
0: episode 170, cancelled. A friend of mine had a brass quintet, uh, which he used to call Wonderbrass, uh, which I thought was right. a wonderful name for, I think it wasn't an entirely all-male brass quintet, but it was mostly. Right. Um,
1: okay. okay. Yeah. I think that's... Uh, I think we, I'm think i still we, digging. You are still digging. Yeah. yeah it's good. Go a bit deeper on that one, um, but no, I, yeah. Let's um, d- 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 just so to recap: um, you've got your outline, you've got your Uber outline of two thousand words, and you've got your all the work you've done up to the point of that. So just stop before you d- dive deep into it, and just remind yourself what your show's really about, who your characters are, why they're going to be funny. And uh, what it is in this story that's that that's going to be uh, work as well in in lots of other episodes.
0: Yeah, and the other take home is join us on Patreon because for that you get uh, whatever level you join at, you definitely get an extra episode a month, which is a Zoom Q and A where you can ask us anything, and occasionally we do little writing exercises and that kind of stuff. But it's all fun. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> And also you'll get access to early access to episodes. So we've got an episode coming up with uh, John Voorhouse, who's an American screenwriter and has written a brilliant book, little book of sitcom writing. We had a fantastic hour with him, didn't we, Dave? Yeah, he's um, brilliant. But our patrons have got hold of that already and they can they can listen to that. There's a Facebook group as well that people find really supportive and helpful. And everyone's kind of just saying, oh, have you seen this? And this is on and I'm finding this really hard. And we jump on to that. Uh, a Facebook group as well, um, now and then as well. So there are lots of reasons to join. Not feeling like uh, you're on your own uh, is also another good another good reason. So join us on Patreon. It keeps it keeps the engine running on Sitcom Geeks, uh, and we'd be most grateful. And uh, we. You know, and we, and if you join at a particular level, we'll also read the first ten pages of your script and do a mini podcast about it for Patreon. And who knows? We may them. even we may even do
1: an outline as well. So yeah, uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll, we'll do, we'll we'll do the outlines. Yeah. yeah.
0: So <clears throat> that's all there. Uh, sitcom Geeks um, uh, Patreon. Google those two things, and and you'll you'll find us before too long. But anyway, thanks very much, Dave. That was really helpful. Thank you, James. Thanks very much for listening, and thanks to British Comedy Guide for hosting this podcast on their servers and, and making it available. We're very grateful to them. Go over to BCG um, and have a look at what, look at their wares as well. Mm. And thanks very much for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.
1: Cheerio. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>